Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Hey, welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If this is your first time joining us, hey, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and click I'm new. If you fill out that short form online for us, as a way of saying thanks, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that's listed. I'm so glad you tuned in today, and if you're watching or listening at a later date, hey, I'm glad you're with us as well. Uh, but this episode originally aired and was sent out on our first birthday as a church. Yeah, Radiant Church is officially one year old. We launched in the heart of the COVID-19 pandemic on the third Sunday of September, September 20th, 2020. We had just a little over 100 people in attendance on that really special day for our in-person services. We had several more of you who are watching online or listened to that first podcast that we sent out as well. We've come a long way since that very first birthday. In fact, we're celebrating our in-person birthday service with some water baptism. That's always exciting. I think that's the most exciting part of the day, really, celebrating lives that are changed. Uh, as excited as I am about Radiant turning one, I am more excited uh, for those folks going public with their faith today, for sure. That is the biggest reason we celebrate. But before I jump into our teaching, I do just want to give you some quick highlights of our first year and kind of what we've been through as a church. And, and, and I, I can just tell you right now, we've had just over 20 salvations uh, between our end person services and our online experiences over the course of the last year. Every number represents a new life in Christ, a life in Christ that without the ministry that God began in Radiant Church may not be serving Him today. And so we give God all the credit, right? Uh, we've, we've bought the church planning trend a little bit, and we've taken on missionaries in our first year. We believe missions is really important. And so we are investing in our South Carolina missionaries and those missionaries who are trying to get uh, overseas into some of the hardest to reach places on the planet. These are places that are in the Middle East and North Africa and Southeast Asia. In fact, our, our first Mission Sunday is coming up here in a couple of weeks, October 3rd. And uh, we're going to take on six additional missionaries after that Sunday. Uh, we really believe in missions here at Radiant Church. We've been able to, to come alongside and, and support missions organizations like Free International, which fights sex trafficking, Chi uh, Alpha, which, which reaches students on college campus right here at Clemson University. We have one just down the road. Uh, and Convoy of Hope, which provides disaster relief in places like Haiti and New Orleans, which have been hit very hard here in recent weeks. We also team with Clemson FCA, and we helped them with a place to meet during the COVID season last semester during the spring. They couldn't get on the university campus, but we are 10 minutes down the road, okay? And so we opened our doors, and hundreds of Clemson students came in uh, during that spring semester, and they were experiencing Jesus every week. That's pretty awesome. They're back this fall, by the way, and we're partnering with them again to host events and ministries to reach more students, and we're just really, really thrilled and excited uh, about that. Right now, we're showing love to our hospital workers, our nurses and doctors at Prisma Health Oconee through a partnership with uh, Feed the Fearless. We're supplying drinks and snacks to help an overworked and overwhelmed hospital staff during the COVID surge has kind of hit not just our area, but probably the area you're watching or listening from here as well. Uh, you're giving, it helps lift people's spirits, man, who are on the front lines providing care. You want to partner with us. Uh, the website's right here on the screen. 
giving, go to RadiantChurchSC.com and uh, make sure you're giving to Feed the Fearless. We've been working together, by the way, of also taking care of the facilities God's given us. They're in rough shape when we inherited them, but we've gone and we've began to repair and restore and maintain the buildings that we have. We have a major exterior renovation project that's about to get underway for our main building. It's very long overdue. Uh, how many of you guys believe, man, that if you take care of what God's given you, and you manage it well, He will bless you for it, and He will give you more. Like That's the principle that Jesus teaches from in Matthew 25, and so we're going to take care of what God has given us. Uh, we are just getting started here at Radiant Church. We believe the Lord has so many great things in store for us, and this next year is going to be full of challenges, but it's going to be full of God's provision and blessing, and uh, we just believe the best really is truly yet to come. So we're in week two of our series, I Want to Believe in God, but and we're tearing down these false, distorted views of God and showing who God is in the process. And I really believe that people are, are very spiritual in our world today, but they have a distorted view of God that's been built you know, from culture and incorrect teaching and hypocrisy, like you, you, know, you can kind of name it. We're ripping apart the distorted views of God and we're showing who He is as we do that. So we started off last week tearing down the view that, that God is an on-demand God, that you know, He he isn't, okay? The on-demand God doesn't exist. He doesn't do everything we want Him to do and you know, when we want Him to do them. But He is a loving God, right? And His ways are higher and His presence is enough for us. Where I want to venture today is breaking apart this distorted view that I call the, the, the goosebumps God. So it's the idea that you have to always feel Him. So like years ago, I, I was a youth pastor in Nashville, Tennessee, and I had a student ask me one evening right before our youth service. He goes, hey, how, how do you know that you can feel God? And I hadn't really thought about that before, you know, and, and he says, I, I want to believe in God, but I don't feel Him. How can I believe in a God that I don't, I don't see, I don't hear, and I don't feel? And that's, that's kind of a legit question, right? And I want to stop for a moment because, you know, he hit on something that I think just more people over the years have experienced uh, and, and, and asked and wondered than we would realize. And, and this question, especially, you know, if you come from a charismatic kind of background, it really takes shape. You know, Radiant's a charismatic kind of church. We describe ourselves that way. I grew up in a church like that. One of the things I've noticed, though, is that that's the background you're from. Um, you know, if that's your only church experience. You can kind of feel that you should always be feeling God, right? Like you should always feel God in a very tangible way. And if you're not, then, then something's wrong with you. So maybe, you know, you didn't grow up in church or a church that was like that, but you say the same kind of thing. You're like, well, I, I don't feel God. And it bothers you, right? Like you want to feel God. You, you, you want to feel God's presence. You, you want to feel it in a, you know, it's a very tangible kind of way. And, and you might even have been in church, you know, even, even last week, right? Expecting to feel God and, and walked away not feeling a single thing. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> right? Let me ask you this. How do you even know you felt God? Like, really think about this for a moment. How do you know that you felt God? Did, did you get the goosebumps? Did you cry your eyes out during service? Did you have this overwhelming peace which just settled over you in the midst of a crazy storm that life threw your way? Like, like how do you know that you felt God? See, all the different ways we might describe, you know, emotionally anyway, uh, that, that feeling God really aren't exactly spiritual. So the older I get, the more, the more emotional I get. So my five-year-old, 
he wanted to watch Raya on Disney Plus. At the end of the kids' movie about dragons, like it's a make-believe movie, dude. My eyes got a little watery. I was like, oh man, uh, I, I get the tingly goosebumps feeling. You know, when I'm watching the Atlanta Braves, they hit a walk-off home run to win a game that they should have lost. You know, I, I get a peaceful feeling when I put on Christmas music and drink coffee in the glow of the Christmas lights in our house. Four months, y'all. Christmas is almost around the corner. I mean, my point here is that all the different emotional responses that we might give for feeling God really are just that. They're emotional. Even though I know God works through our emotions, it's still emotionally based. So if I don't feel God in any number of ways that I expect to feel Him, well, then whose fault really is it? Is it, is it God's fault? Is God looking at me saying, well, I don't really know how you live this week, so I'm going to give myself to everybody but you. <laughs> you know, is he doing that? It, is it my fault? What, was my spiritual antenna like, not up working the right way? Like, how do, you felt, how do you know you felt God? And what do you do if you don't feel him? So first, let me just say that I, I don't know the answer to the first part of this question. Like, I don't know how you know you felt God. And the reason I say that is because, well, honestly, like people feel God in a variety of different ways that, that are completely unique to that person. So I, I, don't, I don't really know how to explain it, but I can tell if my emotional response is 100% emotional or if it's God working through the emotion. I, I can't describe that to you. It's just this honest to goodness answer. Like I, I just absolutely can tell the difference if God's working on me and if it's just me having you know, the air conditioning came on or having a bad day or whatever. So what I really wanna hone in on here today is this idea that God's presence is much bigger than our own personal feelings. And if you don't always feel God's presence, you know, hey, no worries, man, you're not alone. Even the guys who are considered to be spiritual giants and heroes in the Bible, they have their own moments where they couldn't feel God. Let me take it to Psalm 88. Check out Psalm 88, verse number 13. The psalmist says, Oh Lord, I cry out to you, and I'll keep pleading uh, day by day. Oh Lord, why do you reject me? Why do you turn your face from me? We mentioned a couple weeks ago how many of the psalms, uh, which are poems, poetic songs, right? They're written by King David. And we know David as, as the giant killer. He's the most famous guy uh, in Scripture in the Old Testament. He killed Goliath, you know. Uh, but he's also Israel's second king and one of the greatest kings in history. Jesus is going to descend from his ancestral line, the son of David, okay? And uh, he's also very emotional. So much of the Psalms, especially the ones that he wrote, they're emotional like roller coasters, okay? Uh, this particular psalm isn't written by David, but you do get a sense of the frustration from the psalmist. So we're going to jump to one that David wrote here in a moment. And the psalmist is kind of like, hey, God, like, where are you? Like, I, I keep coming to you. I keep looking for you, but you're rejecting me. And I want to feel your presence, but you're silent. Never felt that way in your prayers before? Ever been around people who seem to feel God all the time or something real spiritual and you're just kind of like the only one in the room <laughs> that isn't being moved in the same way? Well, this psalmist gets it. He's been there. Now let's jump to one that, that King David did write, Psalm 23. We looked at this very verse last week, Psalm 23, 4. Let's look at it one more time this week. He says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you're close beside me. Now, last week we looked at this exact same verse and we saw how God's presence is enough because God's always with us. He's always with us where though? <laughs> the dark valley, right? 
Other translations will describe it as the valley of the shadow of death, which doesn't sound much better, okay? But does that sound like a place where David can feel God? Probably not. You know, when life storms are pounding you, when you feel trapped and you have everything overwhelming you and caving in around you, like, where is God? He's with you. And just because you can't feel him doesn't mean he isn't with you. He surely is, even in the dark valleys. Jump to the New Testament. We, we, we came out of a series breaking down Paul's letter to the Ephesians uh, all throughout the month of August. And Paul, he, he, here's a guy who experienced the risen Jesus on the way to Damascus, man. He has an experience in God's presence, which is so glorious that he can't even talk about it later on in his life. Like surely Paul is someone who felt God all the time, right? Well, for the first 17 years after he gives his life to Christ, you know what Paul's doing? Not a whole lot. He's waiting. <laughs> he's not preaching. He's not developing leaders. He's not planning churches. He's just waiting on God to give him a chance. We don't always feel God in the seasons where we wait, do we? What about Jesus? He, he's on the cross, the Son of God, right? Ultimate feeler right here. Taking on all the sin of humanity, always in step with God, always feeling God, always in God's presence, never been outside of it. He's one with God. And before his death, he lets out this big cry and he shouts out, God, why have you left me? He can't feel God's presence in that moment, can he? One more for you. Let me take you to a uh, an author named C.S. Lewis. You're not familiar with C.S. Lewis. He wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. He wrote a, a lot of Christian literary works like, like Mere Christianity and the Screwtape Letters. He describes a season of his life where he couldn't feel God. And just listen to how he describes that season real quick. He says, I got a door slammed in my face and the sound of, you know, bolting and double bolting on the inside. And after that silence, there's no lights in the windows. It, it, it's an empty house. Was it ever inhabited? It seems so at once. Why is God so present, commander, in our time of prosperity and so very absent a help in our time of trouble? Now, Lewis is being metaphorical here, but the point is he's wondering if God is even present. And what I hope you're seeing today is that you're not alone if you don't feel him. You're not alone. We've all been there, and we're all going to be there again. It's part of the journey. So quickly, what I want to do is give you three possible reasons why you might be saying, I want to believe in God, but I don't feel Him. There could be more for sure, but I just want to narrow it down to three really common reasons. Here's the first one. First reason is you're over-spiritualizing. You're over-spiritualizing. You're doing what Jesus' own disciples did in John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 30. They, so disciples here, they answered, Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? What can you do? So they want Jesus to give them a sign, some kind of big like, ta-da, there it is, guys. Like, here's the proof you need. Uh, they start listing what God did for Israel like in the past. You know, they're like, hey, our ancestors ate manna and God gave them bread to eat. And he did this miracle and that miracle. And where's the sign for us today? Can you give us a sense that God is really with us? And the truth is, some of you, you might be over-spiritualizing things. You, you, you want to know God. You want to feel God, 
but you're looking for some big spiritual sign, some big, you know, miracle to prove that he's with you. You're looking for the audible voice from heaven, right? Like you're looking for the dream where God reveals everything or the angel with the little arrow pointing you to, to, to walk in that direction. Like you're over spiritualizing every single thing in your life. And, and God doesn't reveal himself that way all the time. Uh, there are times where he does, but, but, but most of the time, that's not how God works. In some of the most spiritual moments, you actually don't really feel anything. One of the most spiritual moments in my, in my life was my ordination service. And, and it was an amazing service. One of my favorite communicators was, was like the headline speaker. And I had my childhood pastor. I still call him my pastor here today. I still consider him my pastor. My childhood youth pastor uh, there also. And, and these guys are laying hands on me. It was a big, big deal for my life. And I had so many family members who were present. It was an amazing evening. There was just nothing like being ordained in the service to God Almighty, right? I mean, you would think if there's anything more holy uh, you know, on this planet, uh, it'd be hard to find, right? It's a pretty, pretty amazing experience. But I didn't feel God. Like I couldn't point then, I can't point now to a moment where I was like, oh my gosh, the presence of God is just so thick. He's everywhere. I, I, I can't do it. I know God was with me, but I didn't, I didn't feel anything in that moment. We have to realize that feelings aren't the sole evidence of God's presence. If you always felt God, you wouldn't need faith, would you? If you always felt the presence of God, you wouldn't need faith, and that's important because without faith, as Hebrews 11, 6 tells us, it is impossible to please God. Faith is trust. I can't see God, can't feel God. I, I may not even see God at work, but I trust Him. I trust Him to keep His promises. I trust Him to be with me, to work for my good, as Romans teaches us, to, to, to forgive me, to save and heal. I can trust God for so many things. And I don't have to feel Him one bit in the process. Some of you, you're just over-spiritualizing everything. And you're looking for, you know, the goosebumps feeling. And, you know, you're, you're waiting to hear the big audible voice, Hello, Steve! You know, like coming from heaven. Or if it's Morgan Freeman's voice, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you're hoping for the still small whisper that Elijah experienced in the Old Testament. And I want to encourage you just to slow down, just to stop over-spiritualizing everything and just be content with the truth that God's presence is always with you trust him, even though you can't necessarily feel him all the time. There's another reason you may feel God, or may not feel God, and, and, and that's this. Your heart is hard. Your heart's hard. You may not feel God because you have a hard heart. Maybe at one point you were close to God, but now you're not, you know, soft and tender to him or the things of God anymore. Jesus is speaking to a very religious, very spiritual, very informed Jewish audience in Matthew 13. And he quotes from an Old Testament prophet named Isaiah. And he says this, Matthew 13, verse 14 and 15. He says, this fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you'll not understand. And when you see what I do, you'll not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear and they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Hardened hearts miss the hope of the world and the person of Jesus Christ. Those guys couldn't see or hear what God was wanting to do because their hearts were as hard as stone. I've said it many times, but it's not enough just to know God, right? To know who God is, to know the scriptures. There has to be a heart change. 
There has to be an awakening within the very depths of your soul. Otherwise, all the knowledge you have will lead to a hardened heart. One of the causes of a hard heart? Well, it's sin. Sin separates us from the presence of God. If you sin against God, does it mean that God doesn't love you? No. Right? I mean, no, nah, God still loves you. We didn't learn that last week. Does it mean your salvation's in trouble? No. If that were the case, we'd have to be perfect. If you worry that every little sin you commit would throw you into hell, you're living in fear. And you're setting yourself up for impossible expectations. Like God's grace and forgiveness covers our wrongs when we become followers of Christ and turn from our sin. So what sin does to all of us, though, believers or not, is that it breaks the intimacy with God. So remember, it separates us from God's presence. So let's just say, you know, for instance, let's say one spouse commits an affair. What happens in the aftermath of that affair? Because divorce, believe it or not, is not always the outcome. It doesn't always happen. So in fact, the couple, what happens? Well, they're still married, but are they as intimate as before? No, right? Intimacy and trust are broken. That affair, the sin that broke the intimacy, that bonded them together is, is, is now uh, between them. And we live with what I call unrepentant sin in our lives, which is sin we have not sought God's forgiveness for, that we intentionally commit. It's like placing plaque on our heart. It's the process of hardening our heart in the presence of God. We're putting a barrier between us and God, okay? And, and, and we have a, a process of hardening to the movement and leading of the Spirit of God as well. And when our hearts are hard, we cannot sense the presence of God. It's not that God isn't there, but you're separated. You have a barrier that sin has put between you and God the Father. And you might say, well, pastor, like I'm not doing anything close to that. I'm not having an affair. I'm not doing anything really bad. That kind of thinking creates another problem. You're sanitizing your sin. You're, you're trying to make it all good, to clean it, to justify it, so you can continue to live with it. Now, I don't really know what kind of sin that might be for you. It might be something like envy, you know, like you're on social media and you see someone, you know, uh, have something that you want or a trip their family's on that you wish yours could take, and that envy leads to, you know, a hatred, and, and you just hate what they have and where they go and what they post and the life they live. That should be your life, you know? It's like, but you don't see anything wrong with your heart's attitude. Could be gossip. Hey, do you know Susie over there and has this thing going on? No, you didn't know that. You know what? Now you do. We should go pray for her, right? And, and all of a sudden it gets out to everybody everywhere what she's going through. And she didn't give you permission to tell anybody else. And even for something as noble as, you know, prayer, right? Could be lust. That's a tough, tough one for many of us who are guys, right? You know, could be gluttony, could be laziness, whatever it is. You're trying to sanitize your sin so you can live with it and be okay with it. I've, ha I've had to do, you know, uh, what you need to do if that's the case before in my life. I had to go to God and say, Lord, I I've got sin and I'm not repentant of it and, and I'm not clean of it. And, and I need you to cleanse me. I, I need you to forgive me because, man, I want to feel you again. I want to feel the presence of God again. This is what King David did, did time and time again in the Old Testament. He even wrote this. Look at this. Psalm 51, another poetic psalm that he wrote. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Don't banish me from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I like that. And make me willing to obey you. Uh, I love that last part. You know, when your heart is hard, you're not living in joy. Like some of you, maybe you've lost some joy in your life. Maybe you've lost the joy 
you once had when you first came to know Jesus. Do you remember what it felt like to serve Christ? I do remember the joy you had when you began to serve Him and follow Him and worship and minister for Him. You can't get that joy back if you're sanitizing your sin. You got to restore the intimacy between you and God. Come clean, man, and ask God to forgive you. Now, here's the final reason you may not feel God here today. God wants you closer. God wants you closer. You can be serving the Lord, seeking God's forgiveness instead of sanitizing your sin and still not feel God because He wants you to take it up a notch. He wants to draw you closer. He wants you to, to level up, okay? One of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Acts 17. I love how Paul approaches the Athenians here. And he's teaching them about God. And, and listen to what he says in Acts 17, verse 26. He says, From one man he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise, when they should fall, and he determined their boundaries. So much we can unpack in just that verse. But to get a good picture of the sovereignty of God at work, you, you, you look at that verse and you kind of see it. Why does Paul say all that kind of stuff? Well, he, he, he gives the why in the very next verse in verse 27, and he says his purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. Now, nations here is speaking to the non-Jewish people or Gentiles. So God revealed himself to the Jews first in a very direct way. Read the Old Testament, you see it. But to the Gentiles, he did it in a very indirect way throughout that Old Testament era. He then reveals himself directly to the person and work of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Now, why? is that? <laughs> I don't have a certain answer. None of us really do. But it would appear that God desires for us to desire Him in return, right? He wants you to reach out for Him. He wants you to desire Him with all of your heart. You ever been in a relationship with somebody and the other person didn't desire you very much? You know, like, uh, <laughs> this is bad. I'm just going to share this. This, this is not good. Um, I, I'm, not a, I'm not perfect. Remember, your pastor is not perfect. But I dated all kinds of girls in high school and college before, before Shana came into my life, okay? Uh, and I didn't have desire for all of them, okay? Uh, I didn't desire every girl I dated. In fact, there were times for sure where I think they knew that. Notably, one time I dated two girls at the same time. And I double booked both dates with both girls on the same night at the same time. And I actually got a call from the one girl who wanted to know where I was. And the truth was, I was on my way to pick up the other girl. And I did not have a good response. I'm a terrible liar. So needless to say, she did not feel desired, okay? When you don't feel desired, it, it's over, <laughs> right? Like nobody wants to be in a one-way relationship. Well, God doesn't either. He wants you to want Him. And at times to stir that desire within you and maybe even to get you to a new level spiritually in your relationship, He'll deprive you. You won't feel God like you used to. Why? Because deprivation draws out desire. I don't eat, I get hungry. I don't drink, I get thirsty. I'm away from my wife and kids for a prolonged period of time. I am ready to get back home to them. My five-year-old even understands this. We went on a short vacation uh, during Labor Day weekend, and, and on the way back home, he goes, man, I miss Shadow and Oliver and Duchess. Those, those are our pets, you know, a dog and two cats. Disney-themed names there, okay? Uh, he, he gets that. So that old saying, you know, the absence makes the heart grow fonder, to a certain extent, it, it's true. And when I'm familiar with something, 
thing, I tend to get content with it. But when I'm deprived of whatever it was for a length of time, man, I desire to have it back. And so what if God is trying to draw you closer by depriving you for a little bit of a time? I know it sounds crazy, but God's a jealous God. He longs to be the greatest object of your desire. He wants you to pursue him, not just feel him. Feelings aren't faith. Successful marriages, by the way, are marriages where spouses, they still pursue each other. I counsel engaged couples to, to never stop pursuing. I don't stop. You don't get married and be like, oh, I caught her, I'm done. Like, no, you keep pursuing each other, okay? And you don't make your marriage last because you live off your feelings. Ask any couple who's been married for decades and you'll hear stories at times they did not feel love, trust me. Marriages last because love isn't something you necessarily feel all the time. And so it is with your relationship with God. Just because you don't feel Him does not mean He is absent. So what are we to do then? Well, we're to wake up every day with a perspective which just longs for God. So God, I want to experience you today. I want to know your presence. And then you just press in and you seek Him. And if you happen to sense God in a powerful, supernatural way, embrace it, because He's with you. You'll have the goosebump moments, those let me stay here all day kind of moments, those let the tears fall, the peace overwhelm you, you know, all those types of moments, and embrace them when they happen. But when you don't feel God in that way, just don't forget He's with you. Don't forget to embrace Him in the everyday moments. And things we might think of as like mundane. So you're, you're driving and you see the mountains against the landscape and you think, wow, God, you're amazing. You're so creative. I'm in awe of who you are. He's with you, right? You're at work and you do something which impacts a coworker in a positive, even an eternal way. And you're reminded that, hey, God, you're with me. Thank you for creating me to do this. Thank you for placing me here for that person. You come home and you... You have your kids that come run up to you like mine do, and they want you to pick them up and spend time with them. And you look at your kids and you realize the presence of God is here in this moment, and He is with you and your family. Each time my sons were born, I felt God. I didn't get the goosebumps. I didn't get tears, okay? I didn't get peace. I didn't get any other kind of like supernatural vibe. I just looked at the miracle of life that I was holding in my hands, and I knew that, hey, God was at work. He was with me. The fact is, no matter what you feel, God is crazy about you. He sent Jesus, who was without sin, to die for your wrongs in your place. So that if you would believe, if you would place your faith and trust in Him, you might one day be in the presence of God for all eternity. And you might live this transformed, forgiven life. And perhaps you're watching or listening here today, and you feel drawn to God right now. Let me just tell you, it's not by accident. It's the power of God's Spirit, doing what He's always done. Draw people close to God. So what do you do if that's you? Well, I, I want to lead you in a simple prayer here uh, just to accept Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. And you might get goosebumps, and you might get tears, and you might get peace, or you might get none of those things, and that's okay. But I'll tell you what you will get no matter what. You'll get the presence of God and a chance to live a forgiven transformed life. So Father, I pray right now for those who need to say yes to you, who are drawn to you. I pray, Lord, that they would say this, as you say it in your own words, and follow along with me if you would. Lord, as they say, hey, I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me for the wrong that I've done. Cleanse me of my sin, Lord Jesus. Save me of my sin. 
and I don't want to live my way anymore. I now want to live for you. I want you to call the shots. I want you to guide me and direct me. I've done my own thing before. I know what that's like. I'm over it. Lord, I want to serve you forever. I want to be, uh, I want to be part of your kingdom, being my Lord and Savior here today. God, I pray, Lord, you would save them. I pray, God, you would cleanse them. I pray, God, that you would free them. And I pray, Lord, you would restore joy to their lives. And I pray, God, they would serve you faithfully. Lord, for those who are Christians right now, God, that are struggling with, with not feeling you all the time, may they be reminded that your presence is enough for them, God, that your presence is always with them, even the darkest valleys. God, your presence is there. You are with them. You are beside them. You are going to care for them, God. And I, and I thank you and I praise you for what you're going to do inside of their lives here today. And I pray, Lord, that, that they would be drawn closer to you. I pray, God, that they would repent of any sin in their lives that they may not have come clean on. God, I pray that they'd stop over spiritualizing everything, Lord, and just, just be content to look for you in all the different ways uh, in this world and everyday life that we come across. Remind us that you're with us, Lord, that your presence is always there. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.